Hey guys, what's going on? This is David Avalon with another edition of the Breaking the Guard podcast with me and my co-host Robert Drysdale. In today's episode, we have Bellator middleweight champion Rafael Lovato Jr. joining us on the podcast. It was a great honor to have him on board. He's one of the pioneers in American BJJ scene and he's done it all. He's a true mixed martial artist having started in Jeet Kune Do, just like I did, and he moved on into doing boxing and wrestling and, of course, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and now MMA. So we catch up with him and talk about some of the struggles that he had for this upcoming title fight, which he had a, a very uh, potentially life-threatening illness that was making the fight perhaps not happen because they weren't going to sanction it, along with injuries and just all sorts of problems that he was able to overcome. In addition, we talk a little bit about his jiu-jitsu origins. Uh, both Robert and I have actually grappled against Lovato in the past, and uh, we talk about some of those war, old war stories and how Lovato got connected with the Hibero brothers and how they took their game to the next level, or how they took his game to the next level, and a bunch more. It's a fun conversation, so I hope you guys enjoy listening to it and uh, enjoy it. Before we get started, we'd like to thank one of our sponsors, which is DrysdaleBJJOnline.com. Of course, if you've been listening to this podcast, you've probably heard <laughs> me say this every time. But just in case you're new or you haven't done it yet, check out DrysdaleBJJOnline.com. This is Robert's online video portal where he has online classes and videos that you can order. Uh, one of the recent classes he had uploaded was Footlux with the Gi. This is with... Uh, number one ranked IBJF black belt, uh, Felipe Andrew, which has a again very unique way of applying the straight foot lock. So it's definitely something you want to learn. Works with and without the gi, but if you're IBJF competitor, especially since these are all legal, so go ahead check out DrysdaleBJJOnline.com to learn more. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Breaking the Guard podcast. I am Robert Drysdale here with my good friend and co-host David Avalan and with super Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu champion, legend, Bellator champion, also great guy overall, Rafael Lovato Jr. Rafael, what a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. It's an honor. Now, I have here two American Jiu-Jitsu legends, <laughs> right? Well, one of what are you the talking about? Three. <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right well, a b- bunch of tough I, I, at least right with, here yeah but at least with the gi you two have both uh, set the way for americans you know so that's kind of a cool thing and i think uh lalato uh, i read up and i guess we could start off with this on your podcast with joe rogan recently where you were talking about uh, the disease that you had mm-hmm. and man what uh, ordeal that you had to go through <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, I'm. I was. I'm trying to empathize with you and put myself in that situation. I'm like, Jesus Christ! Like, just stepping in there is just so much stress because I know how we all are. You think about everything going on and all the repercussions that something could have, and then just to come out of that in a battle, you know, that it was. I mean, it's a true testament to your heart. So, like, kudos, Thank man. you. Thank it's you. Definitely a good way to, at least for the moment, that's a, a nice exclamation mark in your career as a. As 
transition from BJJ to MMA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, both you guys ha have fought MMA before. Um, you know, you know, you know what it's like. I mean, it, it, it's it's the scariest thing I've ever done. Um, you know, and, and I, I'm sure you guys would put it right up there. You know, in the top three, if it's not number one. Um, you know, there's there's all that fear, the unknown, and it's just so raw and and uh, all the unexpected, all all the the possible outcomes. You know, uh, you really put it all on the line, and then to to find out uh, about that condition that I have, um, you know, just six weeks before the the toughest fight of my life, and, and one which I was a big underdog, and you know, it was it was such a huge step up in competition. Um, you know, against such a great all-around fighter that was definitely going to test me, uh, you know, to, to have that going on and trying to process it and, and train at the same time was just, oh, man, like, I, I can't begin to describe, you know, like, I mean, you know, everything is about being confident and your confidence comes from from how well you're performing in your in your training and and making sure everything's clicking your body mentally physically spiritually well you know mentally and spiritually i was a fucking wreck and uh and so naturally um you know physically things things weren't weren't clicking i wasn't sleeping i was stressed um you know i and beyond dealing with the news of, of what I, I, of the condition that I have and, and, and trying to process that and, and think about like, man, am I just, am I just killing myself by doing this? You know I mean? I had those thoughts, um, you know, beyond that, I, I, I didn't know if I was going to get approved to fight. So I'm trying to train and stay positive, uh, you know, while processing my health and then, and, and keep working my ass off. Uh, and not know if they're actually going to give me the green light. I didn't know the fight was going to happen until two weeks before the fight. Um, and, and so there was so many elements that were just so hard. And, and every bit of free time that I had outside of training, I was, I was using it to, to see doctors and, um, you know, just do everything I could to get the information and get everything in place to send it into the commission and get approved. Um, and it was just, it was so difficult. And then inside of all that, I got injured as well. My hamstring, um, you know, uh, I can go on and on and on, but it was, it was an emotional roller coaster. I can't yeah. imagine. Probably, probably not the same thing, but I, I can't imagine fighting under those conditions because I remember when I tried out for the, the, the season of the ultimate fighter, I think it might've been season nine. I was trying to make 85 and, and then they did an MRI in my brain. They found like an aneurysm, mm. right? And when you, they told me I had an aneurysm, you might as well have told me I had brain cancer and I was going to die yeah. next week because I didn't know what to think. I don't know. Right. I, didn't know, I don't know anyone with a brain aneurysm. And like, dude, I got like, I, I was just crying all day. You yeah. know, it's like, I'm going to die. How, how much time do I have left? You know, like, who do I right. say goodbye to? Like, that's what's going through my head. But later I found out it wasn't that bad. It was my case is not life threatening. But I can't imagine having that thought process and being like emotionally worn out from just the, 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 the notion of having an issue like that and then yeah. having to prepare for a fight at the same time. So, like, man, like kudos for for toughing that out, man. That's got to be the probably the hardest moment of your life. And I doubt you'll ever go through anything that hard. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, uh, you know, it, it gave me the strength. You know what I mean? It was it was so hard. But. Uh, when you're going through something like that, you know, you have to, 
you have to reflect and, and, and you dig deep and, and you uh, completely understand, you know, what you're doing it for and, and just so grateful um, that, I mean, whenever they, whenever they approve me, I mean, I, I cried basically every day, but whenever I got approved, I just broke down again and I was just so, so grateful that, that, that it was going to happen. And, uh, and I had that opportunity and, you know, the fight was a war itself. And I believe that I was able to, to come out for that fifth round um, and, you know, have that last bit of, of fire and that, that will because of everything that I had to go through leading up to the fight, you know, it just, it just made me stronger. So in the end, it was, it was, um, it was a good thing, you know, um, and I'm very grateful for it. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that goes to tell you that, you know, one, a lot of people have this idea like, oh, if I'm injured, I can't have a good camp. And obviously, <laughs> you were like, uh, for people who don't know, you had a serious leg injury. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you, were you were saying you, you were hobbling around everywhere. And, yeah, uh, I, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't train. I, 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 all I could do was like cardio boxing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is the last thing I want to do with Masasi is box oh, with them. I need, I need to wrestle. You know, but I, I couldn't wrestle uh, because of my hamstring. I mean, it's a whole, a whole another element to it all. But absolutely. Uh, yeah. And then I think the other thing it adds too is like you, you were expressing that the fact that you had to go through all this intensified your desire to fight. Because I know some yeah. people they're they're scared to get in there, and sometimes, especially when you and everybody's a little scared, of course. But like some people are terrified to get in there to the point that they feel like they're being forced to fight. And, you know, people who are a little bit weaker, they're looking for ways out, you know, like, oh, you know, like, oh, they called this off. Oh, thank God, you know, or like try to save face. So like yeah. when you have to do everything in your power to get the fight, like yeah. and, and that's a stress that most people don't really understand. I, I've been to that situation, not, not in your context whatsoever, but like a fight being called off or whatnot. And it's devastating to someone who really wants to fight. And particularly in this situation where you know this might be the very last chance you'll ever get. Mm -hmm. yeah. you know, it's kind of like if you see like wrestlers in high school, they all cry when they lose and they don't make states and whatnot. And it's funny because people look like, why are wrestlers crying? It's just a wrestling match. In jiu-jitsu, we have tournaments every day. You know? It's like true, but it's because of the time span. Because uh, you know, mm -hmm. when, you're, when you, your high school wrestling career ends, there's no coming back to it. You know? And similarly, mm -hmm. like in yours, it's a finality. Like this is it. There's nothing beyond this. So I, I think it's just, to me, I, I, I heard it and I was just so amazed by it because I, it's like a mountain on top of you and uh, yeah. you managed to persevere, you know? Thank think, you, man. And I think it's just, it was a really cool thing because, you, again, coming from, and you are, are a true mixed martial artist. You know, you've, I know you did Jeet Kune Do. Like, I actually started with Jeet Kune Do also. Awesome. <laughs> when I was a kid, but I was like 13, 14. So I know you went through the whole thing. So it's really cool seeing you being able to come all the way to the top, man. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the hardest part whenever we got hit with the news, you know, uh, being, you know, we were supposed to fight in January. Right. And, and then he got hurt. Um, and then there was this long period of, of kind of limbo where I'm waiting to hear about the extent of his injury, how much time he's, he's going to need. And I got offered a couple other fights inside of that time. And it was, I was like, man, do, do I take this fight? I, I was so close to saying yes. Cause I was already ready. I was already doing a camp. Um, but, uh, you know, talking over with my manager and, and my team was just like, no, we, we had already put in half of a camp with Masasi on our mind. 
uh, it'd be really hard to, to focus properly on someone else at that point. And so we decided to wait. And so going from January, waiting all the way until the fight getting rebooked for June, you know, so that was already a six month period. Oof. And then, and then I had already started, you know, I mean, it, the camp is about 12 weeks, you know, 10 to 12 weeks. Um, and, and I got hit with the news six weeks out. So I was already halfway through the second camp for Musasi. Um, and then it was just like, what? After all of this, now you're telling me I might not get to fight, you know, working my whole life just to get to this point, to be on this stage, to fight someone of his caliber for a world title. Like, that's my life's work. And now maybe it's it's not going to happen, you know, <laughs> and on top of that, maybe I might be having brain surgery one day, you know what I mean? And all the other stuff. I mean, it was, uh, it was something else, but, um, uh, you know, uh, definitely nothing but, but gratitude for, for my health and that I got that opportunity. Um, and, uh, you know, I got to, to be up there with my team and my family and, and, and get our hands raised and have that belt for us. Awesome. So, Rafael, like we we've known each other. Me and Rafael go way back. I, Rafael, for a little little piece of history, Rafael beat me twice when we were kids. Or I would have been like what 15, 16, or something like that. Yeah, Rafael twenty was years ago. Big when he was fifteen years old. By the way, like was I was, I was. <laughs> He's a big kid. You were super flexible, man. I remember how flexible your legs was. I was like, fuck, man, I can't yeah. get around this guy's guard. But uh, it was, uh, but we and Rafael go way back, man. And well, Rafael, I, actually, we, you, I, I mean, I'm sure you told this story a million times. But you started with your father, right? Like your father's been in your corner your whole life, and mm -hmm. and you're originally with the Machados, I remember. And then you had a moment there with with Gracie Baja. I remember you traveling to Brazil because I was living in Brazil at the time. And I'd bump mm -hmm. into you at mm -hmm. tournaments. I gave you a brown belt once to make weight. Did you remember that? It was like a really yes. light brown belt. You no, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. It you never no, gave it back. <laughs> Really? Really? <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. Uh, I, uh, it was. It wasn't to make weight. It was because um, uh, it was too faded. They they gave me a hard time about uh, the 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 color of my belt. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I remember it was like it was like a really thin belt, Dave. It was like a taekwondo belt. It was like super thin. I used to that was, make weight. Hey, you reminded me. I I now remember this exactly. That was the 2003 Brasileiro. Yes, it was uh, 2003 Brasileiro. Uh, I, uh, I think, I think you got hurt and you, you ran out. I think that's what happened in the absolute. I think you got hurt or something like that. I, don't I think remember. I was looking for you. I know, I know you won your no, division. 2003, 2003, I, oh no, no. The guy grabbed my toe and he broke my toe. Remember that? Yes. Yes. You got yes, hurt. The guy, got the, hurt. The, the true story. No bullshit. I'm beating this guy on points. I'm just doing my thing, playing my guard. He literally grabs my toe and goes like this, sideways. Oh. And then I, and then the ref doesn't do anything. And I'm like, what the hell? I think this guy, the ref is like literally like staring me in the eye. And then I finally tap from the toe lock, right? And then, <laughs> and then I have a broken foot. And then this guy goes, and then the referee, and then the ref stops the fight. And I'm like, he's literally going to give the guy a submission. Is this like a new rule I haven't heard of? And then he stands us back up and gives me the win. I'm like, dude, why'd you wait for him to break my toes? Like, oh, you should have tapped sooner. And I'm like, are you kidding me? But apparently you have to tap for them to call it an illegal submission. But anyway, oh, God. I don't remember that. But I remember like, bumping in a Lovato because he would come mm. from uh, from Oklahoma to compete. And he'd spend some yeah. time in, in Gracie Baja, right? 
So yeah, uh, and I was I was like... training there because because of uh, the Machado brothers, uh, yeah. their their lineage to Gracie Baja, and, and it wasn't um, they, they weren't very closely connected. But I just didn't have another option at that time. Yeah, and then you end up getting really tight with the Rivero brothers. So maybe talk about that yeah. a little bit. Like, the, how did that relationship come about? And uh, you know, I can mm-hmm. see you're really tight with them, and you have been for a long time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like I, like you said, uh, I was under the Machado brothers. Uh, my father, he met the Machado brothers through, uh, the JKD instructor conferences that they were hosting in LA. Um, and then Chuck, Chuck Norris, <laughs> uh, brought Carlos Machado to Dallas, Texas, um, to teach him while he was filming the Walker, Texas Rangers show. Um, uh, and so Carlos became the first, you know, uh, legit, like, world-class, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt in this area of the country. And he had a profound impact on jiu-jitsu in the South down here. Um, And so basically everyone has some sort of lineage to Carlos. Um, uh, You know, now people have moved here, but, but for a long period of time, you could trace everyone back to Carlos uh, from Texas, you know, in Texas, Oklahoma and and the Southwest, the Midwest. Um, And so we were under Carlos and, uh, and of course, Carlos is an excellent teacher, uh, but he was already starting. He's the oldest of the Machado brothers. He was already starting a family and really focusing in on his, his academy. And so all the times when I was going to Brazil and, you know, traveling around to compete and stuff like that, I was, I was usually by myself, um, and I didn't have a team. And in 2003, uh, traveling by myself, going to compete. Um, I ended up competing against Solo. And David, you were there. You yeah. fought Solo in the first round, uh, I believe. Yeah, and, that, that uh, was a, a, a sucky time for me because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and Solo was already, I mean, he was, he was already a legend. He was already a multiple-time world champion. And, uh, but I remember you being there, um, and we were, we were on opposite sides. Uh, you had him early, and then I I managed to fight my way to the finals, and I actually uh, competed against one of Solo's black belts in the semifinals, um, and I was losing on points and, and was able to come back and submit him. And so then I earned my spot in the finals whenever it was kind of like the vibe was already kind of going around that they were going to end up closing it out and sharing the money and everything. Um, and so I spoiled all their plans. And then I was really, really nervous uh, going into the final with Solo. Um, just felt like, man, ugh, I was intimidated. I was intimidated, and I knew he was coming to take my head off um, after beating his guy. Um, but uh, but it was it was a beautiful match. Um, I was able to to survive for for a good bit. My guard, you know, gave him a little bit of trouble. And, but at the end, he, he mounted me and submitted me, which was, you know, to be expected. I was just like 19 at the time. Um, and so uh, anyways, later on, a few a few months after that, I run, like he was super nice to me, super cool to me at that tournament. And then a few months later, I was in Brazil and we were at the Copa do Mundo. I know you remember this these days, Robert, when there was the CBJJO and the CBJJ. And, uh, and I was competing at the Copa do Mundo and Salo didn't compete that year and he was just coaching. And so he was very approachable. I saw him sitting there coaching somebody 
And, uh, and after he was done, I went up to him and I was like, you know, I called him Mr. Hibeto at that time. I was like, hello, Mr. Hibeto. Good to see you. You know? And I was, uh, just being really respectful and, uh, you know, saw, Hey, my brother, you know, ah, good to see you. And he's like, where are you training? And da, 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 da. And I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm training at Gracie Baja. And he's like, Oh, okay. Okay. Well, uh, you want to come train with me? And, uh, and I'm like, yes, I would love to It'd be an honor. Um, he was like, okay, okay, here's my card. Call me on Monday. I'll come pick you up. You know? So it was really awesome that there was the Copa de Mundo at that time, because if it would have been the worlds, if I had just seen him at the worlds, I would have been going home like the next day, you know, but because it was the two tournaments, I fought the Copa de Mundo when I had like two weeks or a week. I don't remember. Um, but there was, uh, you know, space in between the, it was one week. It was one week in between one week. Yeah. Yeah. One week. Um, and so, you know, it was perfect. So it gave me the opportunity to see him. And then he invited me, we connected and sure enough, I called him on Monday and he came right up, picked me up from my, my hotel, took me to Copacabana and, uh, and we ended up training and I spent that, that week with him. Uh, I went there every day, uh, like up until Thursday. And then it was time to rest for the next, next weekend of competition. Um, and I just immediately fell in love with it. Like. I could see his his passion and uh, his knowledge, and he was so open with sharing uh, techniques and uh, you know just jujitsu, like just really breaking it down for me and some of the other American guys that I was with. Um, and it was really odd, uh, surprising for all of us because at, at Gracie Baja we really didn't learn anything uh, at that time, like. Um, you know, Robert can probably attest to this, but there is, there was a bit of, you know, um, pride and, and a li- oh, he's a gringo, you know, we're outsiders. We, we didn't really get brought in to, 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 to be able to learn the real jujitsu. You know what, you know? what, one thing that, and you, you, and this is, goes with what you're talking about. Gracie Baja was a lot different 15, 20 years ago. Like, people yes. don't realize now it's guys like Brawlio and Homolo, and they're super cool, and they're the faces of Gracie Baja. So people think, but it wasn't always like that. Like, no one liked them. <laughs> like, I remember 20 years ago, like, that was the Playboy team. Like, no one yeah. liked them. They were hated. And they, they had that attitude because they came from the wealthier neighborhoods in Rio. Mm-hmm. So everyone from the suburbs yeah. hated them. Everyone from the countryside hated them. And the foreigners hated them, too. So pretty much they were hated by just about everyone except for the Gracie. By they were very tight, you know, but they were yeah they were a, they were a difficult crowd. Yeah, yeah, and, and they were very used to to foreigners. You know, Baja was like you said the the nice neighborhood of Rio, and so normally when when uh, people travel to 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 Rio to train, they'd want to stay in Baja where it's really nice, and they would they would train at Gracie Baja. They were very accustomed to foreigners and and outsiders coming. Um, and so, you know, they, it wasn't a big deal to them. They, they weren't like trying to make friends. It's like, okay, a new wave of, of people are coming through, you know, we charge them whatever we charge them and they stay for a little bit, they compete and they go home. Um, you know, when I went to Salos and he invited me there, you know, it, it was the first time like we're really learning because at, at that time at Baja, it was just training. There wasn't really a class. Um, and so we were really learning. He didn't charge me anything. And he was picking me up from my hotel, taking me there. And then they were say, hey, you guys want to come eat lunch with us? You know what I mean? And one of my students actually got injured 
um, training there with Solo that week. And, and everyone like came together to make sure my student was okay. They took him to the hospital, they translated for him. And right off the bat, I, I tell like, man, this is different. Like I've never had that level of just hospitality and kindness um, come my way. And I fought Solo, you know what I mean? I was a, not only was I an outsider, but I was someone that was standing on the opposite side of the mat of him, you know, just a few months prior. And, um, and, you know, there he was now teaching me. Um, and so it, 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 like, it just like really shocked me. It stood out of my mind. Like that was the experience of, of that Brazil trip was, was getting to, 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 to go to Solace Academy and, 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 and make that connection. And I, when I came home, I told my dad all about, it. I said, dad, we got to bring him for a seminar. Uh, it, you know, it was amazing. And so, uh, a few months later we had him out for a seminar and that was it. That was all she wrote. He stayed all week. We trained every day. He invited me to come uh, to Brazil to, to train with uh, Shanji. Um, you know, they were kind of in between the U.S. and Brazil at that point. Um, and Shanji was in Brazil getting ready uh, for the Worlds and all that. He said, go to Brazil, train with my brother every day. We're going to do all the competitions together. And as soon as I started doing that, I was like, man, I found, I found my team. And, um, you know, he became my mentor to, to help me hit, you know, my – accomplish my dreams basically nice yeah I, I think i was around when that first started i know i competed against you the, the first time in a grapplers quest i think that's and yeah oh five yeah yeah and it was around then because i i saw mm -hmm. that they were in your corner i think right yeah uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh four was when things started happening with us and then yes oh five we had our our hour-long oil wrestling match <laughs> that uh, that didn't get anywhere. <laughs> what happened? I, I I didn't know about this. I, oh, it's still news to me. I think we have the longest grapplers quest match in history. I think I think there's yeah. only one grappling 100%. match. Only one grappling match longer, which I think was recently Keenan and Gordon when they did the no time limit. I think it went like 90 yeah. minutes long, but or, or maybe one of those uh, uh, Gracie, you know, challenge. Uh, matches like the Hinner and, and Huron used to do. Maybe one of those went went for over an hour or two, but we're up there. I was top in, three for sure. Yeah, I was in the Hinner match, or I grappled with Hinner, and, and they were in no time limit match. They didn't, only Jeff Monson and Hiron had a long match, but I still don't think it was 58 minutes. And mind you, our 58 minutes was a tough 58 minutes because yeah. I was essentially just knee cut spamming, trying to <laughs> knee cut pass <laughs> and throw cartwheels every so often. And Lovato's guard is pretty much unpassable, legs flying around everywhere. And uh, yeah, it was a weird rule format because they did yeah. like, it was like ADCC rules for the first eight minutes, and then it went to overtime. And then it was supposed to be first point win. Point. Yeah. yeah. Either of us scored a point, and then they're like sudden death, first to score points wins. Now, mind you, the first like nine minutes, neither of us scored a point. So yeah. it, it wasn't like it wasn't going to happen, you know? So it went like 55 or 56 minutes. Yeah. And I remember at one point I got pissed. I started yelling at people, and then I think Mark <laughs> Lehman started taunting me. And like Mark Lehman pissed me off because he taunted me. I'm like, oh, you know what? <laughs> Mark Lehman's pissed everyone off at some point. Yeah, yeah, he did. He has. <laughs> Person yeah. on the planet, he had them pissed off at some point. Yeah, because he had made a comment because I was about to walk off the mat because I was like, I, I felt like I had it scored and they didn't give me the score. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yeah. that's it, I'm done. And then he goes, Oh, he's a quitter. I'm like, Oh no, I'm not a fucking quitter. And I'm like, all right, let's get to work. 
But then it was like 50 minutes later, and then they said, oh, we're going to change the rules to first advantage. And then I first ended up advantage. winning by like an advantage, you know, but it's yeah. just like, it was just a ridiculous rule. Yeah, you're too tough to sweep. I, I you know, at that, that time, you guys were, you and your brother were really killing the scene back in those days, um, you know, with kind of being one of the first first ones to really have that hybrid of wrestling and jujitsu. You know, you had some dangerous uh, submission attacks, leg locks, guillotines, and, uh, and and good guard passing and back takes and stuff like that um, to go along with your wrestling. Um, you know, and you, you you guys were beating all the black belts back then and uh, you know, giving us all fits. You know the conclusion that me and Dave reached the other day is Dave's the only one that can make a claim for American jiu-jitsu <laughs> because he doesn't have a lineage with any Brazilian. It's true. Yeah. Like, if yeah. you think about yeah. it, like, he – He's got a better case than Keenan, better case than me and you. He's got a better yeah. case than anyone else, like Mike Mutsumazzi. Name, like you trace him back, like not even a generation ago, they had a Brazilian teaching him. Like Dave, yeah. actually, he actually, you know, the, him and his brother, they they were their own coaches. You know, like they're their own. Yeah. Like you know, really, like if you think about it, like that's the uh, they, they, they were because I, I remember back and I used to watch Dave at you know I knew he had like a president, strong president Naga, and I remember in two thousand five. And it was always, you know, like you can see they had like a really strong wrestling background, but with submissions, you know. So I always wonder, mm -hmm. like, what style was that? Are these guys catch wrestlers? Are they, what are they, what was the origin, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and it was just, um, you know, it's like this own little lineage, lineage in full order. Well, it was just pretty much, I started with Jeet Kune Do, like I, I was saying. Mm -hmm. And then, like, after I started watching the UFCs, I would root for the Jeet Kune Do guy. But unfortunately, there was a <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, why is it not working? You know? <laughs> why is this a trapping, you know, coming to impact? And sure enough, we started watching, well, who's winning? And then the wrestlers started winning, like Mark Coleman and Dan Severn. So I'm like, okay, we'll start wrestling in high school. And after I did wrestling in high school, my brother had met up with a coach, this guy Randy, who was kind of ahead of his time because, like, back in 1983, he was already doing a judo black belt, taekwondo black belt. He was training boxing. He had done some seminars under Hicks and Gracie. So, like, he was already mixing everything back in 1993. And we met him, like, mm -hmm. in 98. So, like, on the first day of training, I was doing ground and pound, heel hooks, and neck cranks. And then, so, like... We, we just had our early... Only the essentials. <laughs> Only the essentials, right? Yeah. So like, when I started training, like, everybody was like, oh, it's like a college wrestler. Like, dude, I was just a high school wrestler, but, like, the wrestling level in jiu-jitsu was so low that mm -hmm. even as a guy as a high school, and I never even made states in high school, mm -hmm. just someone who had some decent wrestling was going to run through people. Mm -hmm. But you guys, you guys kept wrestling. Your, your level got better and better, and you were... Um, you know, just very strong willpower. Both of you guys were really tough and, and you were always there for each other. So having like that loved one in your corner, you guys could connect to each other with the coaching. I remember how well you guys would coach each other and uh, always have a game plan. And even though your game was, you know, simple or basic, you put it together very well and you don't need much. I mean, no B, there's not a lot to do anyways. Um, and you knew how to connect it and, uh, and it made you guys hard to beat, man. Uh, you know, it was only guys like solo, you know, or, or the highest level guys that could figure out a way, you know? Yeah. Well, I wanted to bring this back to solo because all right, the, the first time I faced him in, was it the Arnold classic? That's yeah. Yeah. That's where I fought him. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember going in there, it was cold as hell. Just was in Ohio. 
And mm -hmm. a Miami boy, I think it was the first time I saw snow was there. <laughs> you know, and I, and, I, and I got a cold that morning. And then when I looked at the brackets, I saw I got solo. I was like, oh, shit, this guy's like a jiu-jitsu legend. And I was going through that same anxiety that you were talking about in my head, like, oh, how am I going to beat him? And then at the time, I had uh, Mike Cardoso, who was uh, acting as my coach. And he goes, whatever you do, don't let Salo pull guard. He's going to try to get half guard and sweep you. So in my mind, like, oh, I have to take him down first. I got to shoot first. And then when I went with him, he blasted me with a double. Boom! I'm like, <laughs> I was like, where did this come from? I, I was looking at Mike, you know, like, what happened? I wasn't preparing for a wrestler. And then, you know, he just held me down for most of the round. And I tried to get up, and he eventually he choked me. I'm like, uh, I was like, damn it, you know? But so when I got to face him again after... You, I remember, I was yeah. So that same day, you had a, we were the first round. You had yeah. more matches to do after an hour of us. It was yeah, ridiculous. I, because I remember that essentially the whole tournament finished on the right side of the bracket, and then right. like they were waiting on our match to finish to determine. So I remember I fought Beto Ruda on the next match and uh -huh. beat him, and then Salo was next, and I remember Salo was trying to be cool with me. He goes, "Hey man, don't you don't have to." prove anything you know like don't compete but i was like still like pissed i'm like no i'm, I'm coming for you and like, he said okay <laughs> but i was i was so determined to win there was the one time i told myself i will trade my life if i can win against salo like <laughs> strike strike me down with a lightning bolt and kill me at this moment and i meant it with a, every fiber of my being so i grappled with everything i could i got one good lateral throw in him that was about it. He, he ended up beating me by, a, I think, a takedown and a guard pass. But I remember the cool thing that he did afterwards. I don't forget it. He shook my hand. He goes, you're a warrior, brother. And then he took off his sweaty, <laughs> and, and sweaty top, rather, and he gave it to me. I guess mm -hmm. it's like a Japanese-type custom or whatnot, you know? But giving he did your, that to me, too. Yeah. I thought In that was kind of a cool. at, at the Arnold's, yeah. he gave me his rash guard, that, or, yeah, his rash guard that he wore. Same that's thing. pretty cool it is kind of, i will say this though like if you if, if someone doesn't is not aware of the tradition it could look at it like what am i going to do with your sweaty <laughs> right like it's just filthy you want me to wash it right. for you the here, person, here do my laundry wash the rash guard for you yeah yeah but no, i but think so, it's, I, i've Solo seen that and uh, shanji uh, both they had a ton of respect for you uh david they they could definitely saw the warrior inside of you i remember like uh they then like that they've given the belt who did that someone did that i thought that was right that was really cool. Like they gave the belt to someone. They did it at the world recently. You guys remember who it was? They left uh, their Br Bruno Bastos. Bruno Bastos did it before. Yeah, I think Sol Solo did it to Hodger. I think that might have been well. that Solo and Roger. That's what I had on my mind. I thought that was really cool. But I, like in general, what I was saying about uh, like Solo and Zanji, they they both are warriors. You know, I I do like that, and they have honor. You yeah. know, so you you allied yourself with good people. You know, and uh, yeah. obviously it shows in the results. You've done really well for yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm very blessed. So, so Lovato, you, you know, go ahead, Dave. Oh, no, no, go, go, go. No, I was just going to ask Lovato, because like, Lovato is like, you know, he, he's done so well, gi, no gi, now he's a Bellator champion. What's next, man? Like, what, what are your, like, your ambitions moving forward, man? Like, you, do you want to keep fighting? Do you want to move into coaching or other projects? What's uh, what lies ahead, and like, if you, what is it that you dream about when you go to bed, man? Like, what's the what's the next frontier? Uh man, um, there's still so much, still so much. Um, you know, the 
biggest thing that I had on my mind, especially um, after winning the belt and everything was, was getting the Academy of my dreams, the school of my dreams. And uh, we were, we were able to, to lock that in basically right after. Um, and I spent all the second half of last year renovating and preparing and, and actually getting in, in this space. Uh, this is my, my office and, and you can look out these, out this window here. And that's, oh, nice. that's my, that's my, uh, main, main, main room, the back room, there's a front room too. Um, and so, you know, just really taking my school to the next level, um, becoming, you know, an even bigger, uh, sort of, uh, how would I say, like, just impacting our community uh, more here in Oklahoma City. We have so much history. My father started our school 27 years ago um, in, in 93. And, uh, you know, just wanting to keep building and, and reaching our potential and hitting that next level and next level. Um, so that was the main thing. And, and we had our official grand opening at the end of February, um, two weeks right before we had to lock the doors. So that, that was really, really tough. Um, and so it was like, I had the whole thing with, with my brain and, and having MMA sort of taken away from me right after I climbed the mountain, I got to the top and I'm like ready to, to, you know, reap all the benefits of being a world champion and make better money and, and fight in bigger venues. You know, I was dreaming of Madison square garden and Japan and LA and all these places I wanted to fight at, um, and, and, and hold that belt for a long time. And then I, I kind of like, felt like that was taken away from me because I could no longer get approved by, by commissions. Europe decided that I shouldn't have fought. I shouldn't have been allowed to fight for the title. And they said I wouldn't be allowed to fight there anymore. And then California said no. And so all that got taken away. And then I'm like, okay, it's fine. I have my school, you know, I still have jujitsu. I can do jujitsu. I have my students, you know, I just focus in on that. And then boom, quarantine hit. No, you can't. You can't do jujitsu. You can't teach, you know, and I'm like, man, I, I hit a pretty rough patch there in the beginning of, uh, of the quarantine. Uh, but I've already, I've had another, you know, couple projects on my mind, um, that I, I was waiting for the time and the right moment to get into. And, and I jumped into those, uh, one of which being a book. Um, and so I've, I've actually started on my book. I've got everything in motion. Uh, I've been really working hard on that during this time. And uh, I'm excited to get that out uh, around the end of the year. Um, and, you know, just taking uh, everything to the next level as far as like teaching and, and making that positive impact. It's all about giving back now and sharing from my journey and my experiences, uh, you know, talking with guys like you doing these podcasts and just putting more and more, um, you know, positive content out there. Uh, I've been trying to I, I, I did a Facebook group and um uh, you know, when the quarantine first hit and just putting a lot of stuff out there for the people that joined my group, uh, been doing a lot of videos and filming and teaching a lot of live stuff. Um, you know, and I'm going to keep competing. Um, always I'm actually competing next weekend. Uh, fight to win is coming back and uh, no oh, spectators man. just streaming, uh, for full grappling. And I, I'm going to make my return to the gi after three years away. Um, so I'm super excited to get the gi back on. I'm always going to be competing. You know, there's, I know it's not the same as you get older, but I, I have to, there's just a, a part of me on the inside of my heart that, that has to have a challenge. And, you know, I'll be doing the master stuff until, 
until they put me in the grave, you know, like I just, I, I have to do it. And I want, I want to start a family and I want my, my kids to grow up seeing their dad challenge themselves and, and know that, you know, you got to get outside your comfort zone. You got, you got to put it on the line. Um, and so I'll be competing as much as I can. And it's still, it's still my, my goal and my hope, my dream. I was actually going to go to Vegas in March and, uh, and visit the Cleveland clinic. Um, you know, but I, I'm going to see more doctors because my condition is so rare. There's no information out there, uh, uh, of, you know, MMA fighters or boxers, um, you know, extreme athletes having this condition and, and what exactly is the risk? You know, of course there's an extra risk, but a, a lot of the doctors that I'm seeing, the, the most experienced doctors, in fact, are saying that the risk is, is very minimal because the location of my, of my cavernoma of, of the, 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 the sort of the, the buildups of these vessels that I have in my brain, they're, they're in a very safe location. Um, you know, and of course it's something I need to keep up with. Um, and, and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But if I can get more information and present it to the commission and, and it's acceptable to, to, to me and to them, um, the risk, I still want to do one more to go out on my own terms, at least one more fight, uh, would be, would be really amazing for me. Um, but, uh, at the very least I'll be doing jujitsu, you know, trying to, compete against some of these young bucks out there and, and, uh, you know, just stay sharp and always have a challenge and, you know, teach, build my, my school, my association. That's it. Amazing. Amazing. Well, but you got a lot to be proud of yourself, you know, for like your father, you know, you're doing amazing things, man. So you got an admirer in me and I'm sure Dave feels the same way. Um, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. I, I think it's pretty cool that you'll be making a return to grappling and like, I know when we were competing, like in those grappling quest rings, there wasn't any money in grappling, and no. now there's now there's money in here. You know, so yeah. I, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm looking at it, I'm kind of envious. I'm like, Dan, I wish this was around when I was competing, like in like three tournaments a month. You know, and make the comeback, I, Dave. Let's go, man. Let's go. <laughs> you owe me one more match. We, we got we got we got a class at the gym, Rafael. It's called ADCC Masters. <laughs> It's yeah. me, Dave. You got to join us. We do ACC Masters class. Let's do it. It's beautiful. That, hey, now's the best, the best time. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we, we're, we're in a different, different headspace. You know, we can be so much more grateful, you know, and, um, and just really see the beauty in, in our journeys and what we're doing and, and learn. And it's not like, you know, a, a loss or whatever. Of course, we're always there to win. But um, – it's not make or break anymore. You know, life is already beautiful and amazing. And, and I can, I can appreciate it so much more. The matches that I was doing in between my MMA fights, you know, uh, I was still staying pretty active. Um, I was going into it with such a different perspective, you know, after fighting and feeling that level of, of adrenaline and, and like, you know, I mean, you're, you're literally like really afraid, afraid for your well being. you know, you're fighting for your life, right. To it, it's do or die. Um, and it kind of makes grappling and jujitsu. It's like, man, why was I making this out to be so much more than what it really was back in the days? Like, uh, you know, I'm just doing what I love and, and, and you can find that little bit of meditation inside of it, you know? Um, and I can appreciate it so much more these days, uh, than what I, what I could when I was younger. And I, it kind of felt like, like it was, it was everything, you know, when we, we get older and we grow, we realize there's so much more to life. 
Um, and, you know, we've already made our history, made our marks. And, um, and now it's just purely about the challenge and the love of it. Uh, and so I, I appreciate it so much more these days. And I feel like in a lot of ways that's helped me have even better performances now in my 30s uh, doing jujitsu and grappling, um, you know, than what I wasn't having in my 20s. And, uh, and a lot of that as well is, is because of the lessons that MMA has given me, um, you know, like it, it's just all gratitude, man. And, uh, and so, I mean, we still got some in the tank Drysdale, you too, man, let's go come back, make a comeback. I, yeah, I, we, me and Dave have discussed this in the past, you know, like, but I don't know, man, like I, to me, like my challenges are personally, you know speaking for myself like my challenges are different now like i i'm very i get a kick out of other challenges like to me redoing what i have done is not as appealing because i in my head like, am i gonna be bushesha tomorrow and i go unlikely right so and if i can't be the best like i want to you know i i might as well try to like mm-hmm. look, learn new things and experience things i right comparing now, yourself to others comparing I, yourself to others. i know but here's the thing it's, man like yeah. and it's not even compared. It's just I and to me, everything I ever done in fighting had to do with being number one. I had to be the best, mm-hmm. right? That, that's what motivated me. Now my motivation is to be the best coach I can be. Like yeah. I get a even it's white belt sometimes. Like it's not just making a world champion. Like we, you know, we do that's it's, it makes you feel good too. But you know, it's just really reaching out to my students and helping them. Like I got some prospects yeah. in I got some prospects in MMA that I think in two years will be a UFC champion. Like, I really believe that. So to me, it's like, all right, I'm going to make my mark as an MMA coach yeah. now. Well, you know, yeah. I get a kick out of that. Um, I hear that. I, I don't I know, understand. man. Like, it's, but like, I, I respect the hell out of like uh, um, Megaton compete. Like, he's still competing in the adult division, yeah. man. Like, to, and, and he gives them a run for their money. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. my favorite part. He doesn't go in there and get killed. He makes them work. Oh, yeah. You no, know? and he's like 50 years old and he's hanging up with like the 22 year old and he's hanging. So yeah. I think it's so admirable, but at the same time, like I wouldn't get, even if, you know, win or lose, I wouldn't think I would get the same stimuli that I used to get, you know, 10 years mm-hmm. ago. So it's, it's just yeah. different for me. It yeah, is I, different. It is I, different, but it, it's still, I don't know. It makes me feel alive and I enjoy it. And obviously yeah. I know at some point, like, of course, still being in my thirties, I mean, there's a lot of guys in their thirties, like Lepre. I mean, Cobrinha had the most amazing year of his career at like 37, you know, um, you know, Shanji is, is 39 now, um, you know, and he's still a monster. Like there, there's tons of guys who can, I mean, we, we can go well into, until we're 40, uh, maybe even a little further that, than that. But, um, you know, of course there'll be a time where I just have to stay and stick to the masters, you know? Um, but then we can fight each other, you know what I mean? Go against yeah. the other masters, the other guys that age and, and still, and like I said, it becomes a little bit more like a reunion. You know, you go you go to the Masters there in Vegas, and the the vibe is so different. Like everyone's hu- hugging. It's yeah. so much respect. You know, and it, you're literally competing for the purity of it, for the passion, the love. And and at the end of the day, it's just man, we're we're, you know, you're you're happy to be there. You know, you're happy to be yeah. healthy and, and still moving and, and having a goal. Um, and and for me, that's something that I'm gonna have to just. I'm going to have to keep going for the, for the rest of my life. I, I respect that, man. That's amazing. Um, Dave, you got anything else you want to ask? Rafael? I got to get going. I got another call in like two minutes here. I got to get going. But um, is there anything else you want to, you want to ask Rovato, man? Like he, you feel like we, I, I, you've inspired me, man. Like you're the first person to come close, 
close to convincing me to fight again. Close. <laughs> Most people, not even like they're missing the mark completely. You, you said a couple of things there that got me considering it. You know? <laughs> I got to get my ass Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I, I would say for me that what's held me back the most was just injuries. You know, like uh, I've been. Yeah. And if I was smarter when I was younger, like I probably wouldn't have jumped into that grapplers quest that I actually competed with you because I had blown out my knee like two weeks before oh. and I wasn't grappling. I was just on, mm-hmm. a, on an elliptical for two yeah. weeks and then I, I didn't make weight early on. I had to cut the weight and stuff like that. So like, and uh, I had an AC separation. I've had all sorts of things. So like I, but I've always pushed through all these things and then compete anyways, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I always felt like if I didn't jump on a particular opportunity, I was going to regret it later. And now I realize that was obviously wrong. There's always another opportunity. You know, I could chase mm-hmm. one. That means I lose one later down the road, you know. But yeah. ultimately, like, I've paid the price. And just now, like the last year, I really started focusing on being healthy because mm-hmm. I noticed that my knee, I started to lose a lot of mobility. I was buckling and... I would just walk out of my car, my knee would just whoop, slip, and I, I'd totally mess up. And it turns out I've, I'd, I, haven't, I haven't had an ACL for like five years on that knee. I was just... Oh, wow. So it explains a lot. You know, it was like... I think Too tough for like, your own good, man. Yeah, it was like in 2013. It was not actually with Paharis, because the Paharis thing wasn't good, uh. but I still had an ACL because I had an MRI and it was still there. It was, I think, in a Nogi Worlds. I got stuck in like in a 50-50, and with a guy tried to turn mm-hmm. me over, and I resisted, and I heard a little pop. Never the same after that. But I'd never, mm-hmm. it, it was fine after a week, so I'm like, ah, no big deal. But uh, my wrestling has sucked since. And uh, so <laughs> I put two and two together. I got the surgery and all that fixed, and I'm, I've just been fixing my knee, and I started fixing everything. Like now, like Rob, I'm like 191. You know, I'm like leaner than I've ever been in my life. So yeah, I, I like, follow you. I, I see. I see your. You know, you're you're staying in shape and and uh, you know being pretty inspiring with with your your physical goals and everything you're doing. It's awesome. Yeah, like I, I you know, I document everything. So like, I'm just trying to be. But everybody tells me, oh, when are we going to see you back in the mats? I'm like, no, no. I, I'm just trying to get healthy. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been unhealthy for so long just trying to force you know myself into something that when i see someone like you you've been doing it right right like you're mm-hmm. you're fit year round it's not like the old school fighters would like essentially binge on their yeah. off season and then okay it, now i'm gonna get ready for a fight like the first six weeks is just dieting and cutting weight you know right. and, and trying to get into shape rather than being in yeah. shape year round yeah. you know so i think yeah, you gotta live the lifestyle the martial arts lifestyle, always, you know, practicing, moving and learning, staying healthy, but it's hard. Exactly. That's, I think, something that you've had the whole time, though, right? Because I think your father mm-hmm. probably imbued oh, yeah. that. Because there's a lot of people who I, I, I would say are, how do I put this? They're like athletes, right? There are people who are just very athletic. They're, they're talented, but they don't have the spirit, right? Like mm-hmm. to them, it's kind of like a game. Right. Mm-hmm. I've always approached it like a, what I call a warrior, where every match, even grappling matches to me, are life or death scenarios. Like I've gone into I've, I've gone to grappling matches mm-hmm. thinking I can die here and I would be fine with it. You know, so like 
the intensity that I've always brought in was really high. So mm-hmm. I like when I fought MMA, I didn't really feel a difference, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't oh, feel really? I didn't feel this was scarier or whatnot. It's like it's the same thing to me because I'm always like the the rules are just telling me how I can kill somebody, right? Like okay, <laughs> in MMA I could use my hands and knees, you know, to make it easier. Yeah. Or as in grappling, you know, okay, I just have to use my chokes and slams or whatnot. You know, I think it was I think Josh Hinger was asking, oh, if you if you had the opportunity to escape a guillotine by slamming someone, but you end up killing him, would you do it? I'm like, yeah. You know, it's a competition. You know, that's that's the stakes I'm playing at, right? So when you ask me, like, oh, would I want to compete again now? Like, that that desire was no longer in me. Like, I think yeah. the last ADCC I did was in 2013. And I felt like I kind of forced myself to do it. And mm-hmm. I had that goal. I wanted that, that gold medal from ADCC, you know. And, I, and I've gotten close, you know, but I've never gotten all the way there. But it was kind of an echo of an old goal, you know, like it mm-hmm. wasn't something like I really believed because I, I, I did what I could to train, but the training wasn't impaired and my heart wasn't there anymore. I was just forcing yeah. myself to it. I'm like, you know what? I'm, there, there's no need, right? Like I've gotten yeah. there to the point where I felt like I didn't really have to prove anything to myself anymore. And the, for me, the stake was always critical. Like, it, you know, I can get impaired physically I've it's happened mm-hmm. unfortunately before you know so the cost versus reward ratio wasn't there for me yeah. anymore yeah now like I I'm fixing myself up and I I feel like I'm That's doing great. a lot better but unfortunately I haven't been able to be on the mats <laughs> I was hoping to start like in the new year and then you know all this crazy stuff came out so mm-hmm. hopefully we can get you, back you, to- you gotta you gotta call Drysdale and say hey I'm gonna quit and he's gonna say 9 a.m. or 5 p.m. and then you can go. <laughs> That's hey, we, that, by, by the way, Dave, we, we got to get this rolling, man. It's been too long. Yeah, uh, but now like, you're like, you got like 50 pounds on me now, Dave, Robbie. That's exactly why I want to train with you. Why else? I'm 40. <laughs> I finally got an advantage. You got, you got to put you got to put Dave in a gi. I tried. Show him, show him, the, show him uh, the beauty I, of the gi, I man. have tried. I wanted to show him warm guard and all that shit, and... <laughs> No, 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 not warm guard. Don't go there. Don't go there. Just just hand in the collar, man. Hand in the collar. I, right, I've had a simple. few people try to do that. Zanji was one of them. And because uh, back when he was in L.A., I forgot he was training out of someone else's gym. This was like, I think, in mm-hmm. 2007. I actually uh, hung out with him for a day and we trained and he put me in the gi and I was like, <laughs> I think it was one of his gis because my collar was like, my sleeves were all the way past my hands. Yeah. So I was getting swept all over the place. I'm like, ah. I think Galval did that to me too. Galval, I went to his gym, put me in the gi, same thing. Uh, it's it's definitely a whole nother game as far as- So like, they're doing something I'm not doing because you've been in my gym a hundred times and I've never managed to put you in a gi. Well, no, after those experiences, I'm like, you know what? Like I can appreciate it's a whole other game, but I like, for me, MMA is what I really want to do above yeah. anything else. You know, I take grappling as a compromise. You know, like, okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I'm going to do grappling, it'll be no gi. And I, I, personally, I just find that, man, the gi's are so hot, man. Like, I just, <laughs> I mean, I already got the, I got the fur coat, you know? And yeah. so, like, I yeah, yeah. That, that, was, that was your trademark. That was your trademark back in the day. I was like, man, that guy's really tough. 
And he's really hairy too. Goodness. <laughs> I, I hope he wears a rash guard if I go against him. <laughs> but he didn't. <laughs> well, I think Wisdom uh, strategy throw you off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think Wisdom's got me beat though. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, he, he's uh, definitely got Chewbacca beat, man. He's got everyone beat. <laughs> and, I, and I went against him, too. So I, I've competed against oh, the man, hairiest, hairiest men in grappling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's nasty. Hey, guys, I'd love to keep talking. That's I perfect. Really gotta go. I, yeah. gotta, I got a business uh, um, call I got to make now. But, uh, Rafael, thank you so much, man. You're such a gentleman. You're such a nice guy. I always mention when people ask me, like, Oh, do you have to be a nice? Uh, uh, do you have to be an a-hole to be successful in jiu-jitsu? And like you're one of the guys that comes up to me, you know, in my mind, like you're highly successful and you've always kept a lot of class and respect. And I've no one who knows, uh, and anyone who knows you knows that you're all about that, right? You're not. It's not. You're not paying lip service to it. You really are a true representative of jiu-jitsu. I think there are a lot of good grapplers out there, there, but there are not a lot of good martial artists, a lot of like true black belts, right? And I think you embody that. So stay that way, man. Never change. You give the community a lot of pride and joy to be able to represent us out there in the MMA stage. And uh, never change, man. And I, hopefully your students will learn from you and they'll be the same. And I think that right there, being a good role model, man, hands down your biggest accomplishment in your life. Man, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, that's, that's everything. You nailed it on the head right there. And uh, having guys like you, you know, um, both of you uh, giving me that sort of respect, uh, you know, really means, means so much to me. So I appreciate the opportunity, guys. I just want to throw out there, anyone listening that would like to join my Facebook group and learn and, and stay connected with me, you can find it at LovatoJuniorFans.com. It'll redirect you to the Facebook group. Um, so just J-R-L-O-V-A-T-O-J-R-Fans.com. And, uh, of course, follow me, social media, all that other stuff. But, uh, man, it was great catching up with you guys. You know, we have so much history and uh, much love, much respect. Wishing you guys all the best. And, um, yeah, let's get together again soon. And, and you're invited to ADCC Master Class when you come to Vegas. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. I'll be there. Awesome. All right, guys. Take all right. care. All right. All take right. care. Have a good one. Ciao. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast we had. Uh, you know, for me, it was a treat to speak with Lovato again. It's been a while. But uh, if you guys want to follow him, make sure to visit his social media. You can find him on Instagram at Lovato Junior BJJ. And to join the Facebook group he was talking about where he's sharing all these videos and helpful tips, go to LovatoJuniorFans.com. That's going to take you to his Facebook group where you can join and you can start getting some more jujitsu and MMA knowledge. And as always, if you guys enjoyed the podcast, like, share, comment, you know, and any suggestions and feedback, we're always conducive uh, to learning more and be, being better at our craft. All right, again, have a wonderful day, and we'll see you in the next one. A final word from one of our sponsors, which is the Kimura Trap System. Uh, if you haven't got the Kimura Trap System yet, what are you waiting for? You can now get it for $50 off just by using the coupon code KLDIS87 on the order page. Again, that is KLD, like Kimura Lockdown, is 87. Again, KLDIS87, and that will get you $50 off whether you're ordering the DVD edition or the online edition. So you can visit KimuraTrap.com 
to learn all about the Kimura Trap system. Again, it's probably the most powerful tool that you can use in both jiu-jitsu and mixed martial arts. It's just such a powerful grip that allows you to sweep, submit, score takedowns, reversals, just about everything. So it doesn't matter if you're a top person, bottom player, you know, if you sit to guard or you're always looking for takedowns, this is a tool that you need to have in your arsenal. And uh, our fellow <laughs> guest, Lovato, has used Kimuros extensively. Uh, so it's a good testament to a good Kimura will take you far away. So again, go ahead, visit KimuraTrap.com to learn more.